consuming art as just a patron is different than putting yourself in front of artists and talking in detail about their work. Yeah. So you got to give me proper time to study printmaking so I can hang <laughs> with Jamal when he's talking about liner cuts and I know what he's talking about. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Black creativity is unstoppable. The Studio Noise podcast takes you into the studio with Black artists and creatives making the art that moves the culture. You get to feel all the inspiration, technique, and passion behind the people making paintings, making sculptures, making prints, making noise. It's the Studio Noise podcast with your host, Jamal Barber. It's the noise. Yes, it's your boy, Jay Barber. You see your boy on MTV. Yes, I'm on the Smithsonian Channel. Mama, I made it. <laughs> it's the exhibit. Y'all see me up there of all the great artists up there competing for a grand prize of having a show featured at the Hirshhorn, the legendary Hirshhorn Museum in D.C. And $100,000. <laughs> yes one day we're gonna come in here and really talk about you know i love reality tv so one day we'll come in here and really talk about love is blind and married at first sight but that's a, that's a whole different thing we talk about this thing right here we talk about the exhibit it's a great show and as we know every great show needs a well-dressed superstar host and guess what today's guest we got him right here on the show my man domo t pongo added that little bit of flair that little <laughs> that little bit of something to the show and whether he's on the red carpet or any of the numerous MTV flagship programs that he's hosted before or just taking the cast of love and hip hop on to get their ancestry done. <laughs> that's where that's what my wife saw him the first time. No matter what he's doing, he's lighting up your screen with information, with compassion, with professionalism, all that good stuff. He made him a perfect host for the show. We talk about the curiosity that has guided him in dealing with so many different artists in such a unique context. We hear about his experience on the show, the other contestants, the moment that stood out for him and well, for both of us on and off the camera, because there's a lot of stuff that happened that didn't make it on TV. But we give you the tea right here on Studio Noise. And we're not just talking about his time on the TV show. Dama T is so much more than that. And so we get into what he's doing with the Pongo strategy group, his trips to Ghana and a lot more stuff that he's got going on Domitee is a man of many talents renaissance man that's what we're gonna call him <laughs> that's my guy that's so how you get all of that you learn more about the guy in those dope jackets <laughs> that you see on mtv right here on the noise it's studio noise the voice of black art bringing you the very best in black contemporary art everywhere i go you know the fam comes with me so if i'm on a reality show guess what Y'all get the VIP pass to be backstage in the reality show, too. I'm going to get you to know all the movers and shakers that's getting this stuff done, making it happen. It's an interesting experience. And so we all going to be there. If I'm there, we all there, baby. That's for sure. It's the noise. Noise with a Z presented to you by Black Art in America, the place for you to buy and learn more about art. They got articles and features at BlackArtAmerica.com. The shows, the garden, the vibe of the Bio Gallery, 1802 Connolly Drive, East Point, Georgia. The Kendra show is up until April 29th. Akinola Taui is making his gallery debut with very, very strong, super strong, top-notch work that he's got there. All this great portraiture, the colors, all about the African experience and the vibes that he's bringing to us. And he pairing that with Kevin Johnson, who's coming through with his own vibrant, colorful works. And you can hear more from Kevin Johnson. On the buyer exclusive episode of Studio Noise, 
available at blackartamerica.com. So make sure you go check that out. You can never, ever have too much noise. <laughs> That's right. So you can listen to that, but you got to do that after you listen to this one right here. So after the break, we got the man, the myth, the journalist, the host of the exhibit, Domati Pongo. More of that good art talk right here on the noise, baby. Yes. I'm Jennifer Warren. I'm an oil painter and artist, and you can see me on the exhibit, and you were listening to Studio Noise. All right, it's your boy Jay Barber back with you, Studio Noise, the voice of Black Art, live from the Black Art America Gallery. I got great arts in behind me, so you know I'm feeling good. I'm in my happy place. So, and I got my man on with me today, the one and only Doma T. Pongo, straight from You've seen them everywhere. Award-winning journalists, all on the MTV, multiple platforms, True true Life Crime. He was on that. That was him. That red carpet with Snoop. He was there. He was <laughs> everywhere. And now he on MTV with me on the exhibit right there on MTV and Smithsonian Channel. Joint Venture is an incredible show. I've been loving it. And so we got my man Doma T on the show. How you doing, man? Man, you got me hyped. <laughs> I'm feeling good, Jay. How you doing, Jamal? I'm chilling, man. I'm chilling, man. Always good to talk to you, man. You know, you you my man, yo. We bonded over over our time at the exhibit, man. And, you know, so you always gonna be my man, 100. Thank you, man. I feel the same way. It's so funny after the show. I've been moving around, and just so many. We have so many mutuals. Uh, mm. So many artists from Chicago that I know. No, Martha Way. Yep. Um, I'm trying to think. Dana Todd Pope, uh, yep. who else I bumped into recently, just at the Smithsonian Museum, and I'm just talking about who's on the show. Just so I mean, the love. Everybody says the same thing. It feels the same thing. I felt in the short time we got a chance to meet. So it's it, man, it's, it's just dope to be a community with you, brother. So that's thank what's you for up, man. Your noise, man. That's what's up. Nah, man. I'm glad you you got that kind of connection to the arts, man. That's that's stuff that people don't really know about you. So you know, we gonna talk a lot about the show, but we'll talk a lot about you too, man. Because I want everybody to know like who you are to get to connect with you and see all the great stuff that you're doing, man. Especially want to like, don't let us end the video in without talking about your trips to Ghana. Cause I really want to hear more about that too, but we'll yes. get to that part of it. But first off, man, tell them where you came from. Tell them how you got on MTV. Yo. Yeah, I'm Bring from South Chicago uh, by way of Ghana, you know, by way of West Africa, you know, my name Doma T means the pillar or the backbone of the family. My last name literally means workhorse. So those are like, that's just been, uh, that just gotta be those, the, you know, in African culture, your name embodies so much of your characteristics mm -hmm. and it's who you are being. So that's kind of how it, how it turned out. But I'm the youngest of three, two big sisters. I'm the only one in my family that went into entertainment and in the, in the arts, you know? And so I ended up at MTV because I interned at a black owned radio station, Southside Chicago called WVON. And, um, I started off interning, ended up being a news anchor. Ended up working at WGN Radio and TV, and MTV was scouting for this this true crime show. And the only thing I'd reported on from a true crime perspective was police brutality or police violence, or you know that type of thing. Or like uh, when I was just a beat reporter, you know, uh, just crime in Chicago. But I hadn't mm -hmm. really like a true crime investigation. I certainly hadn't done it on the TV level. But yeah, that ended up we shoot shot the pilot, and that turned into a full time job at MTV News, and that eventually turned into partnerships with Smithsonian and VH1 and all of that. Ah, that's dope, man. That's a great story right there. That's, that's what I'm talking about, yo. A long way from sh Chicago to MTV, man, and all the stuff that you're doing, yo. So 
you know, much congratulations on all the success you're getting. Like, because I know it wasn't a hard role for you. It couldn't be. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't get to be like up there. I don't even have a journalism degree. So I always felt this chip on my shoulder. Like I empathize with Jennifer on the show, for example, who wasn't a trained painter. And you got, you know, folks like Claire who went to Yale, who was just the sweetest, kindest person ever too. Uh, a public teacher, just loved the arts, but is very skilled and uh, has a short perspective of what she wants to say about education and these things. And so when I saw you know, Jennifer, who self-taught, also sweet, based in Chicago. Like, it was interesting seeing, like, these two different sides of the coin. It reminded me of uh, kind of what happened to me in the journalism space. Mm. Like, just learning from all these folks that went to Medill, all these impressive schools, and you want to impress them. You want to make sure your work e- equals up, measures up. And, uh, you know, so, so it, was, it was validating to end up in a space where I'm telling stories that matter. Now, that's awesome, man. So it brought you all the way to the exhibit, man. When you when you stepped out, I was like, man, I know this guy owns something because he had the flash jacket on. Oh. I've seen somebody <laughs> walk into it. So I was like, oh, man, this is my man. <laughs> I love it. That's what I'm talking about. Let's talk about that moment. Like when they when they brought the show to you, it's like, yo, it's going to be an art competition show on MTV. Like, what, what was you thinking? Like, what did you think? What did you expect when you was walked up in the building? Yo, it was so. All right, so there's this weird thing that happens where like it's going to be an overly long answer. But, go for it. Go for it. I, 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 I'm talking to my man. So I, I can <laughs> A little verbose, but uh, follow me here. But it was, uh, there's this weird thing that's been happening in my life lately where whatever I'm focused on, keyed in on, or interested in ends up becoming a part of my orbit. And just recently, I'm trying to remember what happened around that time. I don't know if we were just, me and my lady had just gone to a whole bunch of museums or something, or if I acquired a new piece, or if I was flipping through like some, but something in my, in my cipher was pointed toward just creativity. And sometimes when I like hit a block, when I'm trying to do something, whether it's write a story or trying to um, come up with a show idea or a pitch or something like that, I flip through my photography books and such. So, you know, I'm, I was in that space uh, to make a long story short. And I ended up getting a call about, yo, you know, what are you doing for like the next few weeks? We have this new <laughs> art show. And by the way, production starts the day after tomorrow. By the way, <laughs> you <laughs> jump on the train to DC or Baltimore, <laughs> wherever we were by tomorrow. Forget the anniversary dinner you had set up with your lady. Forget, like all of the other shows you're hosting over here, we'll work that out. And I was like, everybody just slow down. Just slow down. <laughs> so I didn't even say yes yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even, you know, and I was excited and it was such a mad rush to to get me on. And I was, you know, the one thing as a black creator, it's like, you know, you you are happy to be there, but you want to get beyond the point where you're just happy to be here. Wow, yeah. Exactly. You don't want to set a precedent where you can just call. And this is how TV works, though. I'm not speaking from a place of ego, but you just want to make sure that how I am being approached mm-hmm. mirrors the way they'd approach anybody else in this industry. And I want to show up as my best self because consuming art as just a patron is different than putting yourself in front of artists and talking in detail about their work. Yeah. So you got to give me proper time to study printmaking so I can hang <laughs> with Jamal when he's talking about liner cuts and I know what he's talking about. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. That takes time. That has to happen. So, so, uh, to answer your question, uh, I felt like it was a kismet energy. You know, it, it was divine timing because I was in that creative space. But it was also a sense of apprehension because I wanted to be prepared to meet the artist where you guys were. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it worked out. But it worked out. No, nah, it definitely did, man. I think you brought a, a good energy. <laughs> I think you brought a good energy to the show because I think, you know, you don't want everybody to be 
from the Hirshhorn. Like, you know, like Melissa is great, right? But like, you don't want everybody to be in a museum space because you don't want to like control the language of the show that much. And I think it's it's very good to have somebody that's outside of the culture, just an art appreciator that's Mm -hmm. able to present and talk about it, like to be like part of the show. I think it needed that. I think it would be too art focus and not like have that humanity to it like if if you weren't like trying to understand and that's what i appreciate in a lot of the times like you go onto the tables and talk to people like you can see like you're asking questions because you don't quite know but you want to know and that's really all you need to understand art like at the end of the day yeah yeah that's not real and because that same thing patty patty was the executive producer Mm -hmm. um of the show and the showrunner that's that's what she told She's like no that's what we want you know but just me being a journalist having like insatiable curiosity you know, when you're talking to someone about something, you want to know, you want to say, what's that thing right there? Yeah. <laughs> you want to yeah. say, why are you using that particular tool that is also called <laughs> a, a blank? Because yeah. in, the, in the business of television, you want the, the conversations to be short, you know. <laughs> uh, but guys, it felt, it felt really good, though. But yeah, so I was able to bring a genuine curiosity to really be like, you know, nah, what, why, why, like, I, I want to talk to you about this, too. Um, not to flip it, but thinking about it. No, go ahead. Go for it. Even without abstraction, right? Like when you were thinking about the when you did the Diallo piece for the Justice Joint, mm-hmm. even thinking about the mixture of being meticulous and intentional with every decision, but also deciding to say, "Hey, I'm going to freeform some of these things so that the nugget of the idea is there, but so that's abstract enough, so it's not too literal." How do you find that balance between that? And like uh, th- those are questions that you know the layperson wants to. So, so I, I I'm thank. Thank you for what you said about my, <laughs> the role that I went on the show. But to push that further, I don't know if I got a chance to ask that. And if I did, it didn't make it to the final cut. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, how yeah, you, yeah a lot of stuff that? got chopped up. A lot of stuff got, yeah, got, got left out. But yeah, how do you, how do you find that balance? You know, that? I think, I think it's like interesting because like we'll talk a little bit about like my approach to the show, like my approach to like anything that I do is like, yeah, I got a skill set. Like I understand like certain things and, and people know me for, my, you know, woodcut portraits or whatever, like they see from me, but that's not how I make art. You know what I mean? So it's like when I'm coming to the space, especially because we got a time limit and that's never how I make art. Like, right. you know, my, I make art. It's like, yo, you give Jamal a space and you give me six months, then I just fill it up with my thoughts and ideas and I put it together. Like I got long form to think about it. And so, when and by the me, way, that's how the creative process is supposed to go. Exactly, their minds are capitalistic in nature. So, <laughs> so it's good. Say that again, yo. Say that again. <laughs> and so, when you when you put me in a box and you give me ten hours, I get I feel more free, like to do stuff because I don't need to like perform at my usual levels. Now I get to explore. Now I get to like make art. You know what I mean? Like that's like part of the whole thing that you're doing, where like you don't. I don't have to do any one thing anymore because I only got 10 hours. Like that can be your excuse to like play with stuff or try some or like throw a new idea up and see if it stick because it's never, it's never one piece that'll kill you. Right. It's like, it's like accumulation. Like as the ideas develop over time. So that one piece, that abstract piece that we did on the show led to me doing more abstraction and layering in my work now. Right. And so would I have discovered if I didn't do it? I don't know. You know what I mean? So it's like, so part of it was like my idea of making art was different so that even like they gave us a few weeks before with the prompts to make stuff. But it's like weeks later, I don't even feel like that no more. You know what I mean? Like, so like now I'm in this moment, either I'm going to make art based on this old feeling 
or I'm going to go with this new feeling because it's new experience of being here, meeting everybody, talking to the artists, you know what I'm saying? Being in this new space, like that inspires me to do something different. So I went with it. And so I'm, I'm way more likely to just go with my feelings. Like if I'm making stuff, then stick to a plan just because I made a plan. You know what I mean? I was in my, I was in my bag, like just trying stuff. Like you saw me on the show. Like I was doing all kinds of stuff. I did drawings. I did prints. I did paintings. Like, I, yeah, I, I was getting down. Over. And you'd be like, no, I'll scrap that idea. It'd be something that's almost <laughs> a completion. I'll scrap that way. And like, it was dope to see you embrace the process as a true kid in the candy store learning experience. Yeah. Say, yeah. I'm going, I'm going balls to the wall. I'm about to just do whatever I feel makes me feel free in this moment. That was free for me to experience and see. You yeah. Because I said that about deadlines, but you're right. When you only have a short amount of time, you have to make a decision. That ends up sometimes being the best, most organic decision. Because when you got time to write, because I used to, you know, write poetry. Sometimes mm-hmm. I still do. And when you have too much time with that pen, you start to self-edit. But freestyling, if I just record myself freestyling, I'm like, oh, these are the most, you know, oh, yeah. these are my most true ideas, you know. So yeah, <laughs> that, boy, I, I, that boy was spitting. Really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, past life, yeah, you know? yeah. It's uh, so true. I, I see the parallels. Yeah, and you know, and and that kind of thing, like to me, is mad friend. And like, I'm willing to, I've always been willing to, I'm just going to make what I make. And the consequences are what they are. Like either people are going to like it or they're not, but that's not the moment for me. That's not why I'm making it anyway. And so, you know, I'm going to just be free. Like if I win this show, or if I don't, I'm going to just come in here, have some fun, like meet some people, talk, promote, you know what I'm saying? My podcast or whatnot, get people to feel the vibe of what, you know, this black art is supposed to be about. And yo, that's it. Like, I can't do no more than that. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Can't. So that's how I was feeling about it. And so back to what you were saying about the abstract stuff, it, it was kind of like, yo, we're talking to Adam. Boy, and that, they showed that moment on the show while I was sitting yes. there thinking, like, he asked me a question. I was like, yo, what if, what if I do do it? And like, I lead with what ifs when I go to the studio. It's like, what if I do it on two sheets of paper instead of three? Like, what if I color the paper? What if I do this first and then do another thing? That what if inspires so much discovery. So when he asked me, I was like, yeah, what if What if it's not 41? And like, looking back, maybe it should have been 41. Like, maybe it would have been more to the concept. But, you know, so what, man? It's just one piece. So what? Yeah. It's, that's, that's what it is. It's the, it's the art, it's the decision, it's the... It's the choice. It's the, yeah. like, like that's the, there's something artistic about that too. But I was like, I thought I was thinking that. I was like, they should have did 41. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, it was, it was representation, you know, like it was, it was, but it was dope seeing everybody process it differently. Cause then you got yeah. Frank who wasn't until like the last two challenges decided to pull in some of the judges critique and feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was staunchly against any, any opinion. <laughs> and I was like, He said, I do what I do. That's what I'm talking <laughs> about, Frank. That's my man. That's my man. 100 grand, sunglasses on. I do what I do. <laughs> I was like, You know what? <laughs> I like, I, that's an approach too. Yo, and that's funny. Yo, this is a great question for you. First episode where you think, like, Yo, what are these guys doing? I pull up with a drawing, like, you had painters, and then you had this big banana. What was you thinking, man, when you when you came up and you saw like how much variety was in the work? Because I think that's like one of the strong points of the show, bringing like all these different people. It's not we're not even doing the same thing, you know, what I'm saying now, most of the time. I, you know what it reminded me of that was mad refreshing was how much personality in each person's life experiences come into their work mm-hmm. and how there's a seriousness 
with which you approach work when you have certain life experiences. And then there's room for this affability and this humor when you have another life experience. And none is better than one or the other, but it was one that I related to more easily. It was refreshing to on the other end see, okay, I would love to hear the conversation around like the banana, the whimsical pieces, because it reminds me of the, you know, but don't our, our world don't kill me if this is a an inept uh, comparison, but uh it reminded me of the Campbell Soup can with Andy Warhol. Mm. It's like, why does that matter? Okay, why does this banana matter in this in this context? And then being open and having that conversation and hearing about it. But it also just made it like uh made you more aware of with somebody like Jennifer, how the prompt brought up these feelings and emotion that came from a deeper place. And you know, and then how Misha later on, when he did the figurative piece around his family, how that particular piece made his made him decide to move in a deeper place. Or so later on, Misha does one where he uh, uh, builds upon this claymation animation that he did as a, as a child, you know. Mm-hmm. And so you start. It was just interesting seeing like what makes people delve into this emotion versus that emotion, because you get the full range of emotions over those weeks. But so that first day coming in and seeing that, that was the first thing that got in my mind. I was like, yo, there's a a multitude of ways that people experience what yeah. I would have believed to be a very serious, uh, you know, prompt or, you know. Yeah. 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 Especially but, like, especially like the, the justice one was a little hotly debated on, on social media too. Cause he had the Vaquita. <laughs> yeah. What, what were conversations you were thin around the justice? <laughs> it was just like, like people, <laughs> people were like, just pushing back on this idea. Like, Oh, the, the voiceless animals are like the most aggrieved. <laughs> oh, <laughs> But that's why you like art too, because like like you said, people bring all these different point of views, and it do like make you think of different things. You know what I mean? I, I, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say I'm gonna say it more pointedly, but I'm a because I, I want to take him out of it in a whole different situation that it reminded me of. Not saying this is the case for anybody on the show, but when so I host the open mics in Chicago. I used to do a show called the Artist Lounge, and mm-hmm. we used to go to different art galleries and just have poetry sets and open mics. But it started with my partner, my homegirl, Authentic Poetry, and we met on a campus in Southern Illinois. So we did these open mics. And so we used to just do it in our dorm halls. And then we moved it to Starbucks. We moved it to Starbucks. That's when a lot of more other white students came in or, you know, these different people. And I remember this one, this one white woman did a poem about a chair, you know, and she just wrote down like, you know, people just, you know, use me as an adornment. Some just sit on me. And then so it was like, it was just weird. And it didn't move me at all. It was like, it was, <laughs> it, I was like, okay, wow. And then after that, Somebody went and did a piece about about I want to say it was about abortion or something or loss mm. of life, something, something really it was like polar opposites. And I was like, damn, why you had the space to think about a chair? This person had to contend with the yeah. you know, reality. Yeah. You know, they, it was like an, it, it was a piece that played off of two pods. Brenda had a baby mm. and it, 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 it was a I can't remember the exact point, but it was interesting. But it, it just brought to mind how some of us have the privilege of and freedom to um to move differently yeah yeah within serious you, conversations you yeah. know and so uh it made me imagine it made me imagine what does that freedom look like what does it yeah. look like in black space you know yeah. it looks like afrofuturism in some ways it looks yeah. like you know so it, it, that, that that was one of the main things that came to mind <laughs> like, did you have a did you have a favorite set of of art that was producing and challenges like a favorite challenge out of all the ones oh uh, you know my favorite man 
What's your, you know what's your favorite, favorite, man? The one, favorite? I, the one that I'm getting ready to purchase, man. <laughs> your work, J. Barber's own, man. <laughs> that was out. Yeah, that was that was that was my episode on the podcast. Yeah, that was. Yeah, I, I wanted to ask you about that episode. The episode, of course, if you guys haven't seen it, where you know Jamal says he lost his mentor, his his good his his best friend. Yep. Yet the clip plays every time and I wondered this about true life crime and I haven't gotten a chance to talk to people after the show's always does it feel odd seeing this visceral moment you know play on and on in the context of the show or do you feel like it was handled with care because of the safe space we were in in that moment I think I think the show itself handled it with care but I think like the marketing part it was because I mean you, you gotta imagine like if it's a show everybody's making art and having fun and getting along for the most part, what's the one thing we can show to like get people charged up or make them think like something's happening? And that was that was the most dramatic thing that happened over all the weeks we was there. And so, you know, everything else is normal. So I did I I, I think they they used it and then used it again and then used it again. You know what I'm saying? Like is that it felt like that like a little bit. But it kind of like built the episode up so that when people did see it, it's like, oh my God, what a what did Jamal do? And I had so many of my friends hit me up like, yo, Jay, what did they do to you? Because <laughs> you know, Jamal ain't just finna, finna start throwing chairs at that. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, what they do. I know they I know they do it. I'm like, man, man, we gonna go protest right there. It's like, nah, yo, ease up. Like, yo, like it's a story. Like I promise you. Like even my students had, look, it's a story. It's a story to it. And so I think in the episode when you did get to see it, I think they did handle it with care. And I think that that whole day was handled with care. Like I was in my, I was in my feelings. I was mad emotional that days, but like I could look back on it and see like, yeah, all the cast and crew treated me good. They spoke to me. They shared their stories about people they lost and like talked with me more about it. And, you know, it, I think it, I think it brought the whole crew together. If, it, if that's like a thing to say, cause it's like, it was, it was like a moment for everybody to see me like break down because everybody see me how I am. But then to see me like that, you got to know Jamal must have been going through it for real, for real to get to that point. Yeah, no, I feel the same way. It brought it brought it. And, and when you ask about like hosting or whatever, I said, I, I feel like it reminds me of, uh, you know, in sports, how there's a, a spirit of a person in the locker room and maybe mm -hmm. they don't play often. But when they're not on the team anymore, you see that leadership and discipline leave. Yeah. I kind of felt like a lot of the moments that meant the most to me is as hosts happened off camera mm. <laughs> you know and yeah. that was one of those moments that was like okay like i i feel like if somebody else was hosting the show i don't know how that moment would have gotten canceled or if somebody else handled or if somebody else was running the show like patty right. like you know we had like i feel like a lot of the magic happened kind of off camera in that way yeah. and that that brought it to a head because you know you do I, I did the reality shows and i'm like i'm only doing reality tv if there's something edifying about it whether it's the topic of the prompts whether it's like creating a space for us to deal with things mm -hmm. or or whether it's doing african ancestry like the episode you know your wife yeah. part of, of, yeah. the, of the show you know so it was yeah that that moment meant a lot to me too just as a to just you being vulnerable and enough to be you around us you know yeah yeah and it was um it's funny like look like all right so people we get insight insight to what like happened right so the night before, I was thinking about my man, George, and I just started thinking about him in the middle of the night. We, I'm away from my family. We've been, you know, like yeah. eating crazy foods, all this kind of stuff, right? And so, I don't know, I just started spiraling. And so earlier that day, I was just like, yo, 
I walked up to like some of the crew. I was like, yo, I got to talk to my wife because I, I have to take a break. I can't film right now because I was really like spiraling. Were you so, guys allowed to talk to your the loved ones? No, like- no, not, not during the, not during the filming. They didn't oh, want us okay. to talk during filming. And so I went, talked to her and tried to come back and tried to work. And then like when they sent, they sent the cameras over because that whenever they do like the interviews, like at the tables, you came over and I was thinking like, man, I'm good. I'm good. I'm just going to, just going to be good. But then as soon as you asked me, I couldn't stop myself from crying again. That made me mad because it was like, I'm trying to like maintain, I'm on this show. I can't break down (laughs) right now. And so like that led to that. So when I stormed off, I was in the room, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, <laughs> what's the, what's the, what's the show? Like boys in the hood when he was, ah, uh, he was swinging at the air. <laughs> he was swinging at the air. Ah. Yeah. I was going through it. Then you came in and you talked to me and we talked for maybe like 20 minutes. Like it, it, it wasn't a short period of time. And I think that part of it was like, allowed me to like talk about it and like let, let go a little bit more. You know what I'm saying? You shared like that you had lost a few people too. I don't know. We can we kind of talk like back and forth, men like without the cameras. We didn't feel like the cameras was with us like at the time, and so we really got to like talk and like acknowledge each other as like men, as black men, as like people that have gone through things like as part of this process. These emotions that you got to like deal with them, and so it was good. To, it was good to like have that talk and have that time for it. And like they showed, they showed a little bit of it, but they showed like the aftermath of it, like when we hugged each other. It was like you know, yeah. You know, just support and know that we there for each other, that kind of thing. And that's, that's I think that's a black thing that we do uh, to like lift each other up. You know what I'm saying? And just be with each other. So I thought that was a, a great moment. Me too. Me too. And it, it was interesting because I kind of was like, I, I heard you on another podcast episode of uh, Studio Noise talking about how you got to see how the, the magic is made on TV. Yeah. Yeah. Was it interesting to see that our two 20 minute conversation <laughs> got cut for like, yo, you good? <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> Tap up hug and then it was it. <laughs> we had this yeah, like all oh, Jamal Dita was a hug. That's all. What I loved even about that though is um because we we didn't say anything crazy or nothing, nah, but we were nah. having real talk as black men. And I feel like I feel like even the fact that that wasn't put on the show was a testament to the producers, you yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah. They were, and we, again, we didn't say anything, but I don't know that a conversation so raw and going to, like, if it really belonged in that space. So it was, it was, it was interesting because I needed that moment too because mm. I hadn't really, I remember when I first started shooting True Life Crime, True Life Crime is a spinoff of True Life, another MTV show where we investigate murder mysteries. And at the time, you start to connect with people who have experienced loss, but like, through murder and these really gruesome things. Yeah. And I get to talking and I'm like, maybe I should go to a therapist because I just share way too much on TV <laughs> and I don't even know this person. And like, <laughs> but they said like we spoke being the, the, the guests and share more than we ever anticipated. And I was like, damn, I know what it feels like to not deal with something and then have it deal with you right. at an inopportune time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it stick up on you. Think about GQ, and it was it, it was so so. It, yeah, it, it brought that. So I also needed that too because it it, re, it was it was a reminder for me. It was a reminder, and it was grounding for us and that day. Yeah, and like yeah. the the spirit of the work. You know? Yeah, yeah, and I think all that like ended up translating into the work. And I think it was it it 
turned out to be really good. And like ink wash drawing are some that I do as like, I don't know, like a warm up almost. Like whenever I go to my studio, like the first thing I do is spend the first 10, 15 minutes just doing like an ink wash drawing just to warm up or like get loose. And so it's funny that I that I chose that to do in that moment because it is about just letting go, letting like some whatever intuition, whatever you feeling do the thing. Because I've been trying to describe it like to people like as I'm going around doing talks, but like grief is like this thing that's like right, right at the edge of your vision, like all the time and you feel it. And sometimes it feels like regret. Sometimes it feels like despair. Sometimes it's depression. Sometimes it's like a, just a dark cloud hanging over you. And, but you're dealing with it constantly every day and you just kind of learn to live with it like after a while, but to, to have it come up, come up on me like that in that moment, I thought was, it ended up being something strong because I think it was probably, I want to say it's, it, you know, it was the best episode of the show, but I think it was the episode that was like connected to an overall emotion more than usual. You don't see like people do that often, like so many, so many times, especially like in museum settings, we want everything to be analytical. We want everything to be academic. It's got to have all these big words behind it and it's got to have big ideas and rooted in history and you know you got to be able to write a 200 page paper about it but oftentimes that's not what art is you know artists art is the feeling art is like what's what's created from human emotions and i think that that was the episode by far to me that showed like that power like inside of it to underscore that i love what you said about grief too um because i i haven't even even the losses i've had my my mom's brother all these people i haven't lost somebody that was like with me all the time you know mm-hmm. what i mean yeah so just my deepest condolences on that and what's crazy is when we talk about that that emotion and how like the art the, the museum like that space um kenny without knowing what happened that day kenny was one of the judges kenny Schachter. without knowing what happened that day he <clears throat> had looked at the piece and said uh I don't, he said something about there's a sense of sorrow here it's like almost the ink splotches mm-hmm. they look like tears or something he said something but almost like tears and they were like, wait, you know what, what happened? He was like, well, I, I know, like, you know, wow. you guys were cheating. He didn't even know. And then he found out. I don't know if that made. And then so he went again and gave that feedback in the final crit session. But I don't know if uh, it ever made it to air in that, in that exact way. But he had felt that. Yeah. Before having seen the piece. So it was, it was just, it was crazy. But, and or knowing what happened. Because, you know, we kind of separated from each other. Yeah. yeah. So, it, it, yeah, everything you said came through in that joint. That's why, that's why I want it. blackgardenamerica.com is the place to buy and learn about art along with all the articles news and artist highlights you can look through the curated collections to help you find what you want to live with in your own home family and figurative Originals and limited editions, they got it all. From old masters like Elizabeth Catlin and Samella Lewis to modern masters like Phyllis Stevens and Zoya Taylor, there's even a special Mother's Day Picks collection. Get mama something nice this year. Expand your collection or begin your collection at the click of a button. It's www.blackartamerica.com. Go check it out. This is Kyle C. Coleman from Artfields in Lake City, South Carolina. You are listening to Studio Noise.
so what, what was your impressions of like now like of all the contestants as you even like as you get to know them as you see them like we talked a little bit about like a couple of them like jennifer who is amazing yo check her episode of the podcast out because like it was a great talking to her and learning like where she is and how how i connected with her the same way because i felt that same way when i was her age too waiting mm-hmm. to come into my own as an artist having to change my life to make space for it in the way that it needs space you know what i'm saying it's like and so it was a great conversation like check check the episode out and but you know general impressions of like everybody else like what you got from i'm, I'm excited to check that out uh frank was um i love frank's uh he is unap- he is him yeah you know and uh Take it or leave it. He actually prefers that you leave it. Uh, and then, <laughs> but then you get to know him and you see it's because he has a kind heart. You don't get to experience him without him trusting you, without certain privileges. You know what yeah. I mean? Even yeah. on a surface level. I can yeah. feel that just from kicking it with him because I felt like after like week three or four, I'm like, okay, this dude do rock with me a little bit. <laughs> it's my guy. Like, and then that's like, my man, yeah. don't with me. I'm like, all right, Frank, okay, we hear that. No, so we still keep in touch on social. <laughs> Basira's super cool, super like I probably see Basira the most because uh Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Cause y'all live close to each other, right? Yeah, yep. Cause she in Brooklyn. So she, you know, she popped up. We did a uh an opening night screening at a at a cafe in Flatbush. Shout out to Lips Cafe and my man Jermaine Weeks, Black Owned Cafe. They always rotate the art in the space. Yeah. Um, it's a good study space, super dope. And they got the best jerk raps ever. Yeah, <laughs> hey, oh, man. You know, you done said it all right there. And, you know, <laughs> don't start out Flint's Cafe. Uh, but, you know, that's for showing me love and letting us do that there. So, yeah, but Siri, that's the homie. You know, that's she's just super ill. Uh, Jillian, J- I, haven't, I haven't got a chance to interact with Jillian as much, but Jillian and, like, the, the way she thinks about the world, whether it's the current existential crisis that is climate change, mm-hmm. whether it's what AI is going to do to us, and then you start to peel back the layers of who she is as a... Uh, uh, episode that talks about you know reimagining a piece from your past and i find out that this really famous meme was hers and i didn't know about mm, it but yeah. then how she felt like her image was commodified and distributed in a way that took some of her agency away i don't want to speak for her but that's how i interpreted it mm-hmm. and it, it you know it just taught me about a new way to and she her work taught me about a new ways to appreciate art because i didn't like how it looked but I understood right. its message. And then now I'm like, okay, so you can appreciate something. Just like I do music, there are artists that I don't listen to who I appreciate why they have the fans they have. Why yeah. they're great, you know, so same with Jillian. That's probably how, you know, Claire, we talked about Claire, super sweet, cool. Who else did I miss? And then I got the brother. Oh, Misha. Yeah. Oh, and you know, Misha um, was well-established before the show, mm-hmm. um, selling six-figure furniture pieces. You know, so he he was like, it was interesting to see somebody else, too, who had reached a certain space in their career and figure out that, oh, there's another way that I can take this to the next level. What does that look like for him mm-hmm. versus other people at the beginning of their career? So it's like, yeah. it so looking at that whole that whole dynamic with him. Yeah. You yeah. Know? And then you got Jay Barber, man, who like, you know, I, <laughs> I knew was going to rock from the beginning. Like, I'm like, you just cool introverted brother then you hear studio noise and i'm like oh him and that microphone this is him <laughs> you know but your work um i think it, it's just maybe my my personal proclivities i think your work i gravitated toward the most more, most personally each each child like even just the reference points that i have because i only look at black art so and i you know when i see the patchwork i instantly think of visa or yep. 
um, a Romare or something, or, you know. So I, I I had a reference point. So some of the other works I didn't have as much of a reference point yeah. because I have limited knowledge of art in other spaces. You yeah. Know? So yeah. I, I thought that that shit. And I wait, and I think it's about Basira too. How to look at a piece of work, think about policy in abstract mm-hmm. way was really interesting because I wouldn't see some of her work and think about policy or intersectionality and that's what she was trying to i was like man there's multiple ways to now i'm like now i go to museums and i look at at works and then i read the uh right. the blood group. right uh, try, to, I'm more try to go a little deeper on it. yeah yeah you know doing that first and then coming back and then doing it again you know so i don't know man i don't know what do you think of everybody oh i, I love that you know i'm a i'm a community guy like i think one of the things that they didn't show us much was like how much i walked around and talked to people oh yeah yeah <laughs> like all the time i was always like at other people's tables like talking and stuff because i'm fascinated by artists like i'm fascinated by like the whole process of like taking some yarn and some string or something and making something out of it like how how did you make like can make those connections to all this stuff and so i love like talking and and getting to know people and seeing their process like that that part of it is super interesting to me and so to me that's my favorite part of the show is talking to people seeing how they work if you just give people all these materials you could possibly think of and let them work what would they do like and why and then it's like you get to figure out like who they are like you were saying about Jillian. The why ends up becoming the most important thing. Exactly. Exactly. It, it's, it's like, like forget, forget the work. Yeah. Jillian, talk to me about this existential crisis <laughs> that we and why we need a bunker to live in to survive this. Like, yeah. like, and then when, you, then when you talk to them, it's like, oh, now it makes more sense. Now it makes all the sense in the world because like you get to see like, oh, this is why you think like this. Like yeah. this is like all the experiences that kind of brought into like that kind of thing. So I think I think it was really fascinating to, to how that how that happened. I was more concerned about how you think about how you guys received us, though, because you led us into this intimate process. And then there's, it's a really even though things were real, the emotions were real. TV just has a stage quality because yeah. you got to stand like this to be in this light. You know, there's yeah. certain things you got to do. Yeah. And so uh, I was like, I just hope that they feel comfortable to create in this space, you know, and I'm like, I'm like, if nothing else, I just hope we cultivated a creative space. So, yeah, yeah. I, I think I did. I think I did. It was a little weird because like some of the judges, like you didn't know them. if you didn't know them, it's like, yo, who is this person? Like telling me I need to. <laughs> you know what I'm but but you know you get used to it after a while like anything humans adapt yo so like after you know make one or two pieces there and then it's like oh i'm good like you know it's like regular studio space like after a while so it was a good time i love it man i love it it's a good time yo did you think like you feel like the show helped you like build more connection to like arts and, and artwork and artists hell yeah Absolutely. It gave me a context. Like, like now when I go to galleries or when I'm, you know, in, in different spaces, I got a little something I could say, like, yeah, you know, you may know me from the Smithsonian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's me. I was on I was on MTV, you know. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. Was, but why I became a journalist is because I got just this. I, 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 I need to know. I, yeah. I need to. No pun intended, because I host a show called Need to Know. But like, I, I have this insatiable appetite for learning whatever it is that makes something interesting to you, you right. know, yeah. I think that's the thing people get, I'm a Gemini. I think that's the thing that people misunderstand about Gemini's is we're chameleons and we adapt because we're so curious. And so like we have this thing where wherever you are, will meet you there in that space. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's not two faces. I got five faces <laughs> and all of them, <laughs> all of them believe the same things. The same guy that, yeah. you know, I see in the club banging a little dirt. 
uh, spends his Sundays with his lady at, at uh, art galleries. You know, yeah. they're open on Sundays. So if I call the guy, tell him to open it for me. <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's, it's this, so talking to different, going back to the show, like having this, being able to add this experience to like just my list of things that I've been able to do and questions I've been able to ask and people I can be in community with. Yeah. That's that. That's just, I don't know. That, that's, that's why, I, that's why I'm in this business, you know? That's I'm like, okay, up, this is what it's about, man. I love it, man. I love it. I want to be in the red carpet. You know, those are superficial. <laughs> two minutes in the rack. I got to kick it with y'all for a couple weeks, you know? <laughs> I know. Like, really get to know it. Like, get in depth and, like, ask real questions. I did, right. I say, when they when they watch them true life crime shows, man, you be looking mad young up there, boy. That boy, like, look like... <laughs> the pandemic aged me. That was, like, two years ago. <laughs> Feel like crime just happened. Like, the pandemic stressed me out. Like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yo, you know they're looking yo, yo. I was like, oh, look at my guy, yo. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Ain't it crazy? Yo, that's wild, yo. That's wild. Yeah. But that long ago, it wasn't even that long ago. We shot the um, we shot uh season two in 2020. I want to say. Wow. So right yeah. before, right before it went crazy. Right before it went crazy, and then some of it throughout the pandemic. Yeah. It ended up coming out 2021. Some of it throughout the pandemic. So what's that? Uh, you know, two three years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah, it's crazy. But like that, that's that's why I wanted to do the work. Like I going back to what we're saying about art, like I feel an imperative where I and maybe it's self-imposed, but I don't get to only do work that I can't talk about BS to just talk about BS. Right. If we talking even if it's on a red carpet, I said this, this quote to in a in a magazine interview I did recently where I was like, Man, even showcasing black joy is a revolutionary act when mm-hmm. I got because how are we going to get to that question or how are we going to get to those things has to, it got to serve a purpose, man, because there's a lot of entertainment that doesn't edify us, that vibrates, that keeps us on a lower vibration. So it's like, how can I add to this tapestry, this, this, as a griot, like with these little, as we're living in these con, these devices, these podcasts, our little artifacts of who we are and it's all digitized, but it's who we are. So yeah. when we go, my spirit lives in this thing. Do I want to be able to say, I want to be able to say that I did it the way I wanted to do it, you know? Mm-hmm. And I wasn't trying to achieve or chase some something that was outside of myself. So when I get calls to do shows like this, yeah, it might not be like, uh, you know, it might not be love and hip hop or Real Housewives where you got drinks flying all over the place. <laughs> so it's always a trending yeah. topic, uh, but it means something and yeah. real conversations are happening, you know, and institutional bonds are being being built, you know, so. I agree with that. Does it make you, does it make you want to do other programs or come up with your own programs that have an art focus or or even the focus that we're talking about, what we're talking about is redefining um, or pushing back against all this other black propaganda because, you know, it's so much propaganda out there that relates blackness to apathy. You know what I'm saying? And like we we quick to like start this whole as soon as something happens, you know, people be like, that's why we can't do this or we can't do this. like it's not we like this stuff is happening, but there's still so much that we can promote the joy like we were talking about and pride and all this other stuff about blackness that we don't talk about doesn't it does it inspire you to like try to do more like along those lines it makes me want to that's exact it makes me want to find out okay so we say just just black talk black folk they only want they they don't support us when we're doing something positive they don't i don't know who they is or who they are yeah but and you don't want to sound bitter but it's like i did that show you know, I, I took the cast love and hip hop and got the African ancestry done and they learned about the heritage. Did y'all watch it in the same numbers that y'all watched that? Right. Yeah. You know, I, I, we did. So 
But I, I want to live in a space of rather than uh, blaming somebody or something outside of myself. Okay. All right. How do I fuse what the people need to see with what they want to see, even if they don't admit that that's what they want to see? Mm-hmm. What is that? It, does it look like shows like Atlanta that gives us that mix of, you know, that that intellect, that ratchetries, you know, saying that emotion, that feeling, but that comedy, yeah. you know, so uh, I'm trying to figure out what that looks like for me in a, in a journalistic space. And so I like that. That's, that's like the that. next, next conversation yeah. I'm having creatively. I like that. And, you know, you got your own like multimedia company, you know, yes, what I'm saying? Pongo Strategy Group. Like yes, you're trying sir. to do all kinds of stuff like that. How's that stuff going for you? It's going well. I'm in ideation phase right now with projects like that. Uh, this just uh, a little while ago. I don't talk about this often, but we just uh, I just signed on with Paramount with my overall deal. So nice. Uh, that's yeah. So that's yeah. me. Two years being able to move across Paramount. Not just oh man, that. that's dope. And the exhibit, thank you, is a big part of that because being the Smithsonian Channel being able to call over and say, yo, we want to work with the MTV guy again. That was my third program with Smithsonian Channel. You know, the first one was Conversations in Context, where I interviewed Smithsonian Secretary uh, Lonnie Bunch about different moments in black history and how they parallel to the modern era from the civil rights era. And so then we, you know, then we did a documentary called Meaning in Music that's available on YouTube right now. And then, then the exhibit. So then I was like, okay, let's, let's, let's go on for business with this guy. So yeah. now it's, uh, you know, somewhat of a production, you know, contract between Pungo Strategy Group and uh, Paramount. I love know? it, man. It means a lot to me to just be able to, okay, now it's, it's not just Doma T. Pungo employee. Yeah. It's, you know, Paramount and Pungo Strategy. I love that, man. So, I, I love it, Joe. That's it what I'm talking about, day. yo. Breaking down the walls. I love it, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, nah, yeah. We need good brothers like you up there, man, doing the thing, man, representing and like coming up with ideas because we always, we don't know who doing it. You know what I'm saying? Like a lot of times, you don't know who came up with a lot of the shows that we watch on TV or what got, you know, frankly, what got like whittled away, right? Because it's like some shows could start off as one thing and then, you know, this guy step in and this guy step in. Now it's, you know, some other, you know, BS that's on TV talking some foolishness, you know what I mean? And so, like, yeah, good to have you in that room, man. I appreciate you. You know what I'm saying? I, I think you're going to think you do some big things up there, bro. Man, thank you for saying that, G, for real. I appreciate it because, I mean, I, I think what I learned that, uh, you know, when Barbershop talk, you know, we talk about how the industry props up one person or, this, you know, all these different conspiracy theories that we have. But then when you get in that room, you start to find out, just sprinkle in a couple of us at the table and, and then put us at the head of the table. And you have people who advocate for ideas that make sense and that matter. Yeah, and then it's on it's on the people who are in those spaces to show up as themselves because a lot of these people making these decisions might look like us, but don't always make decisions uh, in our interest. Say it again, bro. <laughs> you feel me? And yeah. so now that I'm in these rooms, sometimes I feel myself in spaces empowering other people of color in the room because I said this should probably go this way. If we're gonna do this episode about Darian Hunt, for example, who is uh the kid in um in Utah who was shot in the back by police officers while he was cosplaying. He had on a semi uh, outfit. So he had a sword that they said was a weapon. He was running away with it. And, uh, you know, they shot him in the back. And we did it. We treated it like a true crime episode. But those conversations we were navigating, I'm like, man, because I spoke up, then this other black person on the crew also was like, yeah, I was thinking that too. And then, you know, then they hire a consultant and say, you know what? We're going to give a consultant and have them just look at this whole episode to find our blind spots. Does that happen without those conversations? And so I'm like, wow. So it's not enough to have a seat at the table, but you got to have a voice in there. 
Yeah. So it just it feels good to just you know I'm so I'm I'm pushing forward trying to be one of those voices and now you know like we talked about if I could just figure out how to get you Negroes to watch and we lit. <laughs> That's what's up, man. That's what's up. So I, I definitely want to finish this out, man. But I want to talk about these trips to Ghana, man. I find it fascinating, man. I've been, uh, me and my wife been talking like so much about like getting our stuff together to be able to take one of these trips that you talk about. But let's talk about that and how that generated and like the purpose of it. So when I, when I was first working, my first job was at WVON, legendary black owned radio station. To give some context, that's where when you see uh, the images of Dr. King when he stayed in Chicago on the west side, there's this famous photo of when he's doing a press conference and there's a WVON mic in front of him. But when you needed to talk to black Chicago, uh, that was the platform. So that's where we started at. And so they started doing these trips where they would have this company, Africa Travel Advisors was the company at the time. I no longer work with them, though. Uh, but. They had this company take black Americans elsewhere in the diaspora so that they can experience what it's like to be black in Cuba or just it's kind of a vacation trip. But it was a cultural exchange and an educational trip, too. So right, they would yeah. go to Brazil. They go to all these different places. And they're like, dang, we've never gone to Ghana or we haven't gone to Ghana in several years. And our news director is Ghanaian. Like, what are we doing? So I partnered with them to, to, to put this trip together. And it's crazy to see the difference between breaking down the stigma of going to Africa as recently as 2016 mm. versus 2019 when the year of return came around and everybody was on that wave. I had to kick, beg, and scream in 2015 <laughs> to beg people to come to Africa with me in 20, uh, the, the following year. Wow. And uh, But that's what the, the thing was about. I think that a lot of times when we talk about Black struggle in America, I, because we are American, we can get self-centered on what that struggle looks like and we lose uh, view of the global context in which our, our, our struggle presents itself. So you end up having these rifts between Africans and African-Americans. Mm -hmm. You got Africans who think they're better than African-Americans, African-Americans who think we all are poor with flies flying around us and stuff like that. It is because we're not talking to each other. You know, yeah. there's one common enemy and institution that's in between those conversations. When I say enemy, I don't mean an individualistic standpoint. Like the white man is the enemy. You know, I'm talking about European institutions, colonialism, slavery, and systemic institutions. And so my trip, those trips were just my small way of breaking that down. If I can just take 25 people each year to just see what it's like to interface face to face with their brothers and sisters, maybe we'll see different outcomes in our communities and, and how we talk. And then just to drill down just a step further, coming from the south side of Chicago and the south suburbs of Chicago where crime is too, you just see like, you see that there needs to be a value exchange or something that was lost, mm -hmm. uh, you know, for, for those of us who are here. And uh, I just want them to pick, go back to Africa to pick it up. <laughs> <laughs> I love that, man. I love that. Cause I've, I've been thinking on, on it for a while and I've even been trying to like get with like a print studio, like African print studio, like I'm looking at Ghana and South Africa for different print studios that I could go. And like maybe just go over there and work with your brothers, you know what I'm saying? And like connect like cross cultures because I, I reference a lot of African stuff in my art. So it would be awesome to like work with African artists like and like really see how my ideas are really connecting to like what they're really doing. So it would be super powerful. I won't take my family. I want to, you know, do the whole thing because, you know, it's so much of a. Uh, I say all the time how whenever I hear the hear them African drums, I feel like I'm going home. I feel like it's calling yeah. me. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like it's, it's that type of thing. It's like I need to like get to the end of that feeling like eventually. You know what would have been disconcerting? Because I, I grew up in Chicago, born in Chicago. And I'm, I'm still trying to reclaim my language. And 
I was like, it would have been mad, you know, disconcerting, discombobulating. I would have been disillusioned, all the disses. If I went to Africa, got off that plane and didn't feel at home. Right. Like, what, what this has become so much of my identity. I take so much pride in what my name means, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm like, yo, I'm, I'm, I'm Ghanaian. Like, I'm African. Like, I, I'm happy you say that. And then I go back. And I didn't feel at home, but I felt at home as soon as I stepped out. The smells were That's familiar. Dope. Everything yeah. I had been since I was a kid. And I'm looking at the people next to me like, damn, I'm hoping these black Americans feel what I feel. And they feel it even more deeply because they haven't been exposed to any of this. Some of them. Yeah. yeah. And so they like, I'm like oh, this is really, it, it was a confirmation of what we already know. That it's all spiritual. Like what you feel from the drums is that's that's a spiritual thing. You know, mm-hmm. it's in our DNA. And so, yeah, when I see them and see that face, and I'm like, okay, this is and that's what inspired me to keep <laughs> going. I'm like, yo, okay, I don't think, I don't think my I don't think my people know how at home they're gonna feel. And now you see everybody I love doing it. trips and you see how at home everybody is when they go, man. Yeah. You know? I, so that's, I, that's, I love that's, that stuff. that's the ethos, man. So hopefully we do some content around these conversations we're having right now about that too. So that's what I'm working on. That's, that's awesome. Man. Oh man, yeah. we got we got Doma T in the building, man. That's what I'm talking about, yeah. yo. Get up in there and make content for the people, man. That people yeah. really want, man. And and sometimes, man, this is what people get wrong all the time. Is that you have you judge your ideas by these capitalistic systems and whether or not people watch it determines whether it was good or not. And that's not true. You know what I mean? Like just the just the process of going through there, the process, the idea of presenting this content for people is what it's about. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, even like the if if you know a million people don't watch it, a hundred thousand people watch it, those hundred thousand people got touched by the idea and that that makes it all worth it, yo. So I hope you take that with you, man. Keep keep strong, man. Hold up against them systems. You know what I'm saying? That's trying to bring you down, brother. I appreciate you. I'm holding on to that. <laughs> I can't. I don't even want. I want that to sit in the air, so I won't even say anything else. But thank you, brother. That's thank awesome. You for having me. That's awesome. Tell them where they can get in contact with you and see you like uh, doing your thing, man. Yes, sir. Uh, Domati.net. D-O-M-E-T-I. Domati on all social platforms, D-O-M-E-T-I underscore on Instagram, Twitter. Just put in Domati to come up. But now they're selling blue checks. So maybe I do need to- <laughs> <laughs> Somebody might be able to get a blue check with my name. So it's D-O-M-E-T-I underscore. You know, that's, yeah, that's yeah, let the, the scamming start now. <laughs> exactly. Let me sell my blue check before it gets too, uh, too cheap. <laughs> but yeah, that's me, man. Yeah. I just to be on the platform and, and hopefully potentially create work that, that you guys come to come to grow with love and you know if you're interested in these Ghana trips and this is for you too Jay uh, domat.net slash about I got a contact form on that you know I'm putting together a group tour in December in December oh man sign sign me up man put me down yeah put me down and my wife man we coming out there baby that's what I'm talking about man that's good stuff right there okay okay yeah Yeah, it's Domati Pongo on the podcast man love this guy yo appreciate you man appreciate you man That's it. Another episode of Studio Noise in the Bag. Big shout out to Dumma T. All the great things he got going on for us. I really love it. I appreciate it. Next week, more of the exhibit. We got Basira Khan. Oh, Basira. Right here on the podcast. More noise. And all my artists out there. It comes a time in every man's life when you gotta just make some noise. Don't worry about this stuff. Yo, just keep making that art, yo. I want to see it. 
post it on social media tag studio noise we'll share it i love it we'll see y'all next week peace thank you for listening to the studio noise podcast subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts please take a second to rate us and write a review to make sure everybody knows about the noise follow us on instagram at studio noise podcast